to episode three of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Happy to be here. Thank you again to all of our listeners for tuning in. And yeah, I'm excited to talk some music as always. In our Brisbane studios is our engineer, Darren. Nick, long time no talk. How's your week going? Uh, you know, it's it's been good. I've uh, been trying to get outside a lot more, playing some basketball, enjoying the continued stretch of nice weather. And yeah, it's, it's feeling good. Happy summer's here. We're slowly going into winter, which is my favorite season in Australia. So Right, right. You guys are reversed, aren't you? The weather is fantastic. So 22, 23 during the day, 12 at night. Perfect. Oh, that's gorgeous. I'm off to Chinchilla, which is a little tiny town about three hours west from here in a in a few days. And it's going to be- Chinchilla? The town's called Chinchilla. Uh, As in the, the small, cute, free end. I have no idea why it's called Chinchilla. Darren, do you know why it's called Chinchilla? No idea. All right. So the town's called Chinchilla. It might be named after the- the cute furry animal. I've been to that town twice. I've never seen that animal in this town. Uh, it's three hours west from here. There's nothing around it. There's really nothing in it. I'm uh, off a couple of days to do some work, some photography work. So Very nice. Well, hopefully you have a good time there. I'm going to have three hours to do nothing but listen to music. So, Nick, I hope this week's uh, song is a good one. Well, hopefully you tell me. All right, so what? Do, so why don't we go into it? What song do you have for us for this week? So my song for the week is Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers. Now, as always, I'll provide a little bit of background. So Phoebe Bridgers is a Grammy-nominated artist. She's relatively new to the music industry, but um, she's already making like great strides in, in her lane. She's very indie rock, um, and she's she's a massive, a huge fan base quite quickly. And I think. The main reason for that is her lyricism, um, which is something I really appreciate. But she writes very in the moment and I find paints uh, like really vivid pictures of just scenes in her life and scenes that everyone can relate to. Um, so the song Kyoto is written about imposter syndrome, according to her. So she's talking about, you know, traveling in Japan and going on tour, traveling the world, doing all these incredible things but still at the end of the day feeling like she doesn't deserve it or that it's too good to be true. All these great experiences in her life Um, along with, there's some other themes, you know, of a fragmented relationship, um, losing touch with some people in your life because of the distance between you. Um, So yeah, I think it's a fantastic song and uh, Darren, why don't you play 15 seconds of it? Day off in Kyoto, All right. So what'd you think of the song? I love this song. Thank you so much for bringing it to my playlist. Ah, yes. I'm fist pumping right now. It is such a wonderful pop song, isn't it? It really is. It really, really is. Yeah. I I love pop songs. Uh, I love a good hook. I love a good melody. You, you nailed it. It's such, uh, it's really just a painting of, of her experience traveling through Japan, I would guess. And I, I, I love sort of little snippets of, you know, what it was, just even the line about the phone booth, how it cost a dollar a minute or whatever. Yeah, it, it's such a personal song that I, that I really, really enjoyed it, and it's a song that soars. It it doesn't stay mellow. You can there's definitely a soaring to the song, and I think the the brass instruments in the song really help with just bringing it to that next level. I, I thought 
you know, the trumpets, I believe it's trumpets in the song. I thought that really was a, was a, was a masterful choice just to bring that song to, to another level. No doubt. And uh, like you, you nailed it. The instrumentation all around is very lush. Uh, the drums particularly hard hitting and her vocals. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about them, but I, I think her voice is fantastic. Like it's, it's got almost a dreamy, airy quality to it. Would you agree? Yes. I think it lends itself to the song uh, beautifully. This is the only song I know of her. So when you were saying that she paints, yeah. you know, pictures from her life and, you know, uh, when you're saying like, you know, the imposter sort of syndrome, which I went through when I first became a photographer and started charging people for, for booking me, you definitely go through imposter syndrome. was like, I can't believe people are paying me for this. Yeah. I, I thought her, her lyrics are really, really good and, and really paint yeah. a very in- interesting picture for me. Now, you know what, Phoebe Bridgers, um, well, th- this type of song is very out of character for her, I'll say. The vast majority of her discography is much more stripped back, a lot more minimal, and honestly, it's just ballads. Like, you know, light piano, drums, acoustic guitar. This is by far her most popular song, and it's the one that got nominated for all the awards and whatnot. But it's it's a kind of a standout. She's never really made anything like this before, but she excels at it. I, I don't know if you remember last week when I was talking about um, how I learned from the last song they had me listen to, uh, how I need to experience a song in, in a sort of very different way and, and how I only sort of connected to that song when something happened to me specifically. For sure, yeah. I would say for this song, I would have to to really get into it and to really be enjoying it. I, I, I want to like be hiking or be traveling, be on a, be on a bus or a train or, or somewhere with motion and movement. That's how I think this song would really sort of resonate with me. Yeah. It, it really lends itself to just that feeling of like experiencing something new for the first time. Um, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that'd, that'd be a great way to enjoy this track. How long has she been around for? Do you know? Uh, I believe her first album came out maybe 2017, 2018. Something, something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, again, very, very different from this. Like she typically makes very sad ballads um, with, with again, these like very vivid uh, lyrics and, you know, kind of slice of life moments uh, put into song. Right. See, that's so, that's so funny you say that because that's not the vibe I got from her at all. I got a very lighthearted, happy, energetic sort of musical vibe. But yeah, that's funny that a lot of her other music is not that. Well, there's a quote from her in an interview. And um, she said that when, you know, when she was making the song, it was originally conceived of as being, you know, another slow ballad. And her producer said, why don't, why don't you just speed up the tempo a bit? Like, try it out like that. And she agreed. She's like, yes, like, finally, I'm so sick of recording these slow ballads. Like, give me something upbeat. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think she enjoyed recording. it. I think the entire band did it really comes out in the final product. I, I listened to the song in two ways. The first thing I did is I downloaded it on my phone and I was sort of listening to it with headphones. And then I watched uh, the official video on YouTube. <laughs> and it's hilarious, isn't yeah, it? it's so poorly made and so <laughs> uh, kitsch. And I, I love the little, you know, skeleton costume that that she's. Yeah, she actually wears that in all her videos, yeah. live performances. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Funny. I saw uh, another one I watched was her on SNL uh, doing okay. doing that song, yeah. live performance, and she, and the whole band was sort of wearing those uh, that that costume that she was wearing, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this song. Uh, I'll definitely delve a little bit deeper in her in her discography just to see if there's any other songs that that I dig as much as this one. But yeah, that one uh, is definitely on the playlist. That is something I'll listen to for a long, long time. Well, I'm really happy it resonated with you, 
And um, I, I just had a question. Like, as I was listening to the song again, preparing for the podcast, um, and I was hearing the lyrics, and I thought, wow, like, I wonder if, um, if you felt any of these same feelings uh, kind of about when you moved to Australia for the first time. Just the sense of wonder, being in a different country, you know, being distant from your family and all that. Like, can you speak on that at all? Yeah. When I moved here 14 years ago, I spent a lot of time by myself wandering around. You know, I would take the train or the bus into the city and just wander around. There's something odd about being 15,000 kilometers from everything you know by yourself. You're definitely in a sink or swim situation. You can let it drown you or you can really revel in it. And I guess I did a little bit of both. I I went both ways. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting just being on your own. And I, I recommend if you're the type of person like I am who had at that point lived quite a sheltered life to just go and explore something by yourself. Obviously, take all the safety precautions that you need to take and you know maybe don't go to Buffalo, New York, because that's way too scary for anybody. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. No, I mean, Iraq, Iran, ooh, Buffalo, yikes. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would say solo travel is such an important thing to sort of find yourself. Without going into much detail, about eight years ago, I went through a real big life change. And I would just go on drives and I would just pick a direction and I would just drive and drive and drive and listen to really different kinds of music and just go to places I'd never been before because I needed to figure out a lot of stuff emotionally and intellectually, I guess. And those drives, spending those time by myself and just going deeper and deeper into my issues that I was going through at the time really helped me. Um, So that's one of the things that I've learned how to sort of cope if I'm going through a tough time. I just like to, you know, go for a drive or go for a walk and and just experience something. And, you know, don't be afraid of actually going through emotions, which I think a lot of men are are really afraid to go through emotions. That's probably why I go by myself so no one can see what I'm going through. (laughs) There you go. And I I think that's really good advice, um, especially for people my age. I mean, uh, myself and my friends, people around me, we're all going through very formative years. You know, our early 20s, that's, that's kind of the foundation for becoming an adult. Um, so yeah, I think that's great advice and thank you for opening up and sharing that. It's really good stuff. I would not go back to my early twenties for any money in the world. Really? No, I wouldn't. I was never so messed up as I was in my early twenties. I did not figure myself out until my late twenties or thirties. Well, hopefully my early twenties, I look back on (laughs) a bit more favorably than that. I just didn't know what I was. I didn't, I wasn't a teenager. I wasn't an adult. I was in this sort of nexus weird place that I didn't know what the hell was going on. And, you know, relationships were so much harder because, you know, every relationship was so significant. And, and when it ended or when it began, I was really sad or I was really happy. And there was, there was no middle ground at all. And um, yeah, I wouldn't go back to my early twenties. No, not for any money in the world. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Darren, what did you think of the song? All right. Wise words from Darren. Thanks, Darren. All right, going into our next song, we're going to hear Connection by the band Elastica. Just, well, I'll touch briefly on Elastica. Uh, This song came out in 1993. It was sort of riding the wave of the opening of sort of the Brit pop phase. And I'll go into a little bit more detail afterwards. Elastica would not have happened if it wasn't for Brit pop. And it's very evident once you hear the singer and her British accent. So, Darren, why don't you give us 15 seconds?
That was Elastica with the song Connection. All right, Nick, what did you think? So I got to be honest, when the song first opened up, first minute or so, I was like, meh, kind of like, uh, like Darren. Like I was just meh. But then I don't know, like once once the chorus kicked in and all the instruments just started swelling and, and you know the guitar was going crazy and uh, the drums were hitting really hard, it clicked for me. And um, yeah, I, I can honestly say I like this song quite a bit now. So as I mentioned, Elastic came out in 1993. Uh, it was on the vanguard of the Britpop movement, which was started by Oasis and Blur. They were at the beginning, which means that they were only going to last a certain amount of time. Their sound was very, very conditional to when Britpop would be sort of listened to. Once once the Britpop movement okay. faded, so did Elastica. Uh, luckily, because they were at the beginning of the the wave, they're very fondly remembered, and they did not come in at the end of the wave. Britpop was fantastic for about three years. Once you start getting into 96, 97, so this came out in 93, once you start getting into 96, 97, Britpop was so watered down, and Americans were trying to sound like Britpop. It, it, was, just getting, it was just getting really, really bad. Uh. Damn Americans. Oh, damn Americans, eh? Uh, yeah. So I this album is definitely an album that I love because of the, I'm going to say it, the connection to that sound. Uh, Thank you. Nice. To the connection of the Britpop sound. It, it definitely reminds me of like, you know, when Oasis came out, when Blur was starting to, you know, really hit with some singles. Uh, Suede were out. There were so many good Britpop bands that were coming up and spiral carpets like it, it was just a plethora of bands that were just coming out from england the manchester sound was sort of happening it was fantastic when when i you know first listened to the song i i didn't even really make the uh the connection to to Britpop right away nice thank you good um it was like what i was thinking was just like grunge and punk almost punk rock yep. um like just with like the the wall of sound kind of driven by the guitars um that that instantly drew me to to grunge and punk so i that begs the question then was Britpop particularly particularly sorry influenced by those genres like punk grunge absolutely uh so grunge would have started in 91 92 were the heydays for grunge and grunge really hit big in england uh it it stormed through england and then you get the english response to grunge is this okay that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah. So this would have been the English response to sort of like grungy sound. Oasis is definitely inspired by the Beatles. Right. There's no going around it. If the Beatles didn't exist, Oasis would be a very different sounding band. Yeah. So once you get Oasis coming out and, and going huge, and then you had Blur coming out and, and making inroads into some of the sort of pop charts, and then you have Elastica coming through, Pulp came through, as I mentioned, Suede. Like there were so many little Britpop bands that had a following in England, but all of a sudden out they come. And they're starting to get a little bit of, you know, in North America. Uh, Radiohead is a great example. Radiohead came out as a Britpop band. No way. Yeah, they came out in 1993, I think, is when Pablo Honey came out. Wow. Yeah, I guess it would be. So they definitely would have rode that Britpop wave. And and again, uh, Radiohead is a perfect example of a band that could change its sound. Yes, they certainly did not stay Britpop. No, like Pablo Honey with um, with Creep and... Oh, uh, geez, what are, what other songs am I forgetting on that from that album? Uh, low blowout, maybe something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Creep is the yeah, only creep song what, <laughs> worth anything on that album. 
Right. So creep would have been a perfect song that was a little bit grungy. If you, if you, if you really think about it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But they then changed their sound with flight with fake plastic trees. And yes. And you know, I couldn't believe that that was the same band. Uh, when creep came out, you thought, you thought Radiohead was a one hit wonder until fake plastic trees came out. It was like, wow, this band is really interesting for sure. It's a shame that we both love Radiohead. So we won't be able to have one of their songs on this podcast. No, <laughs> no we both know Radiohead a little too well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, another thing I wanted to speak on, on this song is it, it kind of, uh, again, reminded me of what you saw kind of in the early two thousands with the garage rock, you know, really carried by the New York scene. And in particular, the strokes, the early, early work of the strokes. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know, just the way, just the guitar, the drums, the whole vibe of the song sure. um, really just reminded me of the strokes right away. Yeah. Uh, Elastica would have definitely been influenced by the punk scene, like the jam or the clash. They were definitely influenced by those bands, especially. You can really hear a lot of the clash sort of sound in, in Elastica. So were these guys uh, like one-hit wonders, or did they assemble a, a solid discography, a respectable work of uh, music? Um, let's call them a one-album wonder. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah. they On this album, I think there would have been three songs that would have come out from this album. So there's this one, and there's Stutter. I'm trying to remember uh car song would have been the other one that came out from this album. Okay. I think they had one more album after this. They definitely failed and um, you know, blew up uh, as a band after this album. Well, that's too bad. Rest in peace, Elastica. No, it's, it's cool. I think some bands shouldn't last more than an album. Um, <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I think bands can fit a certain sound and we'll remember them fondly. Uh, but not every like Elastica couldn't be Radiohead. They couldn't yeah. evolve from from the sound that they that they that they had put out. That this was their sound, and and, and it was going to get tired really quickly. No, that that's a good point. That's a good point. I think that um, that that leads to a larger discussion, which we definitely do not have time for this podcast for. But you know, when has a band overstayed its welcome? Right? Oh, it's, it's that whole idea. Yeah, I, I can tell you one band that comes to mind right away is the band called Kiss. <laughs> why are they why are they still around i have no idea do they, do they still make like new music do they release albums still who knows but they're still touring they're <laughs> they're they're coming to australia later this year i i oh, i don't i remember kiss when i was a kid like i'm 47 years old i remember kiss from like grade two grade three wow and they're That's... still they're still touring like this apparently is their last tour, you know, up yeah. until the next, up until the next last tour. <laughs> yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. So yeah, there, there are definitely bands that, that don't know how to, you know, fade away. They've, they've got a, more, more bands need to master the art of like gracefully exiting from the public sphere, you know, no controversy, no like terrible album that everyone hates, you know, nothing like that. Just bow out when it's your time. Leave on a high note. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're definitely going to hear. You probably don't know a lot of a lot of Britpop music, like some of the. You'll probably know a, yeah. a little bit of Oasis and and things like that, but you probably won't know a lot of the like the Elastica bands. You probably have never heard of nope. a band called Pulp. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot more Britpop coming through on this podcast. So if you're a fan of Britpop, stick around. We got a lot, a little bit more coming up in, in cool. future episodes. And uh, I, I just want to ask something. So it's it's kind of a sure. stereotype the joke you could say among people my age that 
whenever uh, you see a guy with an acoustic guitar at a party, chances are he's going to be playing Wonderwall by Oasis. Was that a joke back when you were my sure. age too? Or was it a different song that that guy at the party was playing? I think... Ooh, Wonderwall would have become that. I'm thinking it, Wonderwall wasn't that just yet. You're maybe thinking if someone had a guitar... An acoustic guitar they might play something like a simon and garfunkel song okay, or a beatles okay. song i i don't think it i don't think wonderwall sort of became that song yet it was it was definitely on on its way i remember being in dublin i was 23 years old 23 24 years old in 1997 and i was in i was in dublin for two weeks and i wasn't drunk i wasn't <laughs> let me rephrase that. i was, I was gonna say i was about to call day. you a liar to your face if you told me you were drunk for two weeks in dublin yeah I, I was drunk for two weeks in Dublin and whenever one, this was the height of Oasis. Oasis was at its zenith in 1997. And whenever we were in a pub and we hit a few pubs and that song came on the jukebox or the radio, whatever the entire pub would just That's sing crazy. along. Um, it, it would just, it would just break out into this harmonious sort of wonder wall, drunken Irish, 40, 50 people just singing along. So um, it was definitely a cultural. You know what song movement. is is that version? Yeah. But for, for my age and like when I go out to a bar or a club, it's uh, Mr. Brightside by The Killers. And anyone my age who's been yeah. to a club or bar ever just like immediately just agreed with me upon hearing that. it When that song comes on, everyone stops and is like belting that song at the top of their lungs. You know, it's funny. I did know that because a few weeks ago, I photographed a high school graduation. Uh, yeah, you would have heard it. And that song came on and I couldn't believe all the kids knew the song because that's, you know, not a definitely not a new song. It's it's a few years older. Yeah, that song would have been around when you were a kid. Yeah, I think Hot Fuss came out ooh, 2004, 2005. Yeah. By the Killers. So you would have been you would have been you would have been quite young when that song came yeah, out. Yeah, great great album though, and it stood the test of time. I have a funny killer story for you. Sure. They were playing Toronto. And I could have easily have gotten tickets to see the killers, but I didn't. And do you know why? Why is that? They only had one album out and I did not want to see them in an arena for one album. <laughs> they were playing arenas I after one album? I couldn't believe it. That's why I refused to go because they had, they wow. had 11 songs. I was like, why am I going to go see these guys played at 18,000 people with one album? You know, I like the album, but what a, yeah, to be fair, it is a great album. It is, but what else could they play? <laughs> Samstown hadn't come. Samstown yep. was still two or three years away. They were, you know, they were touring a fantastic album, but you know, take me to a club or For, yeah, you know, like or or a large theater. But they were playing like Air Canada, Air sure. Canada Center kind of like capacity sort of place, and uh, I refused mind. to see them. Um, that's yeah. well. Did you regret that decision? Well. My ex-wife really wanted to go, so that's probably why she's my ex-wife now. Uh, but that's a different story for another time. Yeah, I refused to see the Killers uh, play in Air Canada Centre, its equivalent at the time, because I don't think the Air Canada Centre was built yet for one album. I And there you go. See, I know we talked earlier off air about um, people my generation really wanted in, uh, authenticity and you know people to play instruments. And um, yeah, so there you go. I really... 
I really wasn't going to give the killers the time of day to play in, in, in an arena. If they were played a large theater, it would have gone, but in an arena, I would have, I, I said, no, that's a damn shame. Could have heard Mr. Brightside before all, uh, before all of us did. Yeah. I could. Yeah. But, um, I remember this. It was a good song. It was a good, I really loved the album. Um, but yeah, I refused to see, I refused to see the killers. Uh, on a side note, you know, Brendan Flowers actually has killed someone in his life. No way. Lead singer of the yeah, Killers, so for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, also, um, prolific Mormon. Not someone Mormon. I would expect to have killed somebody. I think they're from Vegas, and he hit someone with his car who was drunk, and it wasn't his fault, but he has actually killed someone. Wow. Right, there you go. Fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. That's why you come to this podcast, folks, exactly. to hear about you know band members that have killed other people. Darren, what did you think of the song? Yeah, I liked it. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, Darren. So, Nick, will that song be part of your playlist? Yes, it will be. It will be. All right. Uh, you know, one of the things I forgot to mention in the last episode uh, was we have a Spotify playlist where you can hear all these songs in full. Tell them about the Spotify playlist, Nick. Sure. So if you go on your Spotify account, you can simply type into the search bar, just hit playlist. And it'll bring you to our finely curated playlist with all the songs that you will be hearing us discuss on the podcast. And you can listen along with us. So, yeah, definitely check that out. All the songs in one convenient location for you. Updated as soon as the episode drops. And we also have an email address. So you can send us an email if you wish. What we also want, if you're in a band and you want to be featured on our podcast, and if we have permission to play your full song, we want to hear from you. So uh, if you're in a new band, message us because we want to we want to play your song what's the email address nick so the email address it's just hit play 7300 at gmail.com send us an email yes please we'd love to break your music on our podcast yeah you can also uh, follow us on uh facebook at just hit play and also on instagram i believe it's just hit play podcast is that what the instagram page is that is correct the uh song that we're going to listen to now is by Susie blue Susie Blue is a Northern Ireland a singer that I followed for a long time. I, I love her music. She is very much a, an advocate for the LGBTQ plus. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's definitely a proponent for that sort of scene. Uh, a lot of her music has uh, that in, in its themes. Uh, she's a really, really great singer. When I first uh, heard of her, she was, she was a folk singer, but now she's got a full band back in her. Uh, and I love the song that we're going to listen to by Susie Blue. It's called Daughter. So uh, take it away, Darren, if you want to play Daughter for us. And we'll see you next episode, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. Dude.